heard of the Wondering Network? It's a podcast network. The Wondering? Wondery. Wondery. Mm-hmm. No. They did Dr. Death. You ever, you'll ever? you love Dr. Death. Oh, really? Yeah. No? Tell me. So it's journalists doing it. Okay. So it's all heavily researched and, like, intense. And mm-hmm. There is one podcast called American Scandal. Oh, okay. And I think I've talked to you about it. You you said, you told me you were listening to it the other day. Mm-hmm. And it is about American Scandals, obviously. Obviously. But it's so well done. Uh-huh. I have, like, <laughs> I have, like, a boner for justice every time I listen to it. Because <laughs> it's, like it's, like, Scandal. But wait, it's not over. And it's like, ooh, get him. And it's a dude who who runs it. His name is Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he, it's like a mixture of news reporting, but reenactment. And then it also does, like, news clips from oh. speeches. And they, ooh, it's so good. And remember last episode when you said I didn't cry? I yeah. was <laughs> crying at work. <laughs> no, really? Because I was alone. And the episodes that I w- was on were was mm-hmm. the Exxon, Exxon Valdez spill. Oh. Which I knew about in passing, because uh-huh. I wasn't alive when it happened. Uh-huh. But when the BP oil spill happened, it was brought up a lot in the news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to hear about, it was so descriptive, and so, it's so good, and, oh. like, important. Mm-hmm. But I just was, I cried. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then <laughs> I got, there's a woman in the story, in that story, mm-hmm. who I'm going to cover. And oh. I, but I want to do a lot of research because I want to do the story. It's very Justice, important. Yeah. yeah. And so I went to Powell's to go buy her book, which mm-hmm. they did not have. They were sold out, which oh. makes me happy. Cause that is, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, but I was in the car with Zeph and I was crying because <laughs> every once in a while I cry and drive <laughs> at injustices or at the Mr. Rogers documentary. <laughs> And Zeth is just kind of there, like, I'm so sorry this is happening. And he can't console me because I'm like, don't touch me, I'm driving. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, like, it's so, it's very good storytelling. Okay, American Scandal. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to add that. Yeah. And it they do, so if you don't want something as intense as the Exxon Valdez, they do uh-huh. the Iran-Contra scandal. Which I know nothing about. Don't get me started on Reagan. Don't get me started. Or... H.W. Oh, oh no. he's involved. <laughs> um, and then they do the Balco one. The Balco um, drug testing scandal. Yes. Who I'm going to do a woman from that as well. Oh, gosh. Little sneak peeks. Um, I haven't said it to you yet, so you don't know. <laughs> I haven't said it to Danny yet. But it's so good. I love it. Okay, I'm going to have to listen to that one. Yeah. I'm going to add that. Because I am listening to a couple different ones... But, I'm, yeah, American Scandal sounds like something I would be into. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, I'm also super excited about the new one that's coming out on Exactly Right with Paul yeah. Holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. I don't do a lot of, like, straight serious podcasts. Me neither. I like learning, but with comedy. Yeah. Similar to this one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like that Brad's got Moxie? <laughs> yeah, exactly like that Brad's got Moxie. But with the Wondery ones, like with Dr. Death and stuff, it's... With, <gasps> with oh, the Wondery God. ones. <laughs> Canis is just slowly but surely 
moving away from her microphone and Danny's constantly like, closer, stop moving away from it. Oh, hello. This is that broad Hello. Hi. I'm Kiana. I use my full body to talk and I cannot be near a microphone. What I, I, if you've ever seen me laugh in real life, I lean forward. And so I can't be close to the mic because when I laugh, I'm just knocking. It's it's true. She leans forward and then sometimes she throws herself backwards. (laughs) I'm full of movement. Full of movement. I forgot what I was saying before Um, Danny accused me of, uh, accused me. Danny pointed out that I was doing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So the accusations were in fact true. This is a true crime podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's Kiana. I'm Cassie. Mm-hmm. I am sitting on a different piece of furniture. So if I sit up here, then I don't have to worry about moving too much. Oh, I oh, thought you meant a different piece of furniture from other episodes. No. And I was like, girl, you're straight lying into this <laughs> mic. You're still on that beanbag. It is a love sack. A love Thank you. Sack. The love sack. sack. <laughs> the love sack. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's perfect and beautiful. And as much as I, like, every episode, I want to be like, oh, Kiana, do you want to sit over? I'm like, this is my, sp-. it has my ass impression in it. It's We're on episode 11. Oh, my gosh. Traditions have been set. I'm on this side. It's true. I apologize. Also, oh, it's okay. I picked it. It's true. You did. I picked it. I like this. You did. Your love sack is uh, weird. <laughs> it is. It's a little odd. Yeah, okay. Also, when I say we have a love sack at the house, I get a lot of funny looks from people who don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a big bean bag. It's full of like couch, like upholstery foam. Oh. So it's super cushy. No. Oh. It's great. I accidentally, kind of not accidentally, launched a kitten off of it once. <laughs> Like catapult style. Catapult. Cat. Oh. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. What? So today, when the day that this comes out mm-hmm. is the, what is it? March. 17th. 17th. Yep. Holy shit. I'm. April. It's April, guys. It's did I say a- March too? No, I, yes, okay. you did, but I said it first. I'm a follower, guys. <laughs> I'm a sheep. I'm a real bad. <laughs> um, I'm officially 23. Whoop whoop. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes you. I kind of like you still. Thanks. April 17th today. So that means Easter's coming up. Yes, Easter's. And Earth Day's coming up. Yep. And Danny's bestie Colleen's birthday is also on Earth Day. Does Colleen listen to this podcast? Colleen better fucking listen to this podcast. <laughs> I think she does. She loves she loves our like snappy intro music for sure. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, she she had comments on it right away. Thank you, Sage. Thank you, Sage. You're great. Um hello Colleen. My name is Kiana. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Col- oh, <laughs> speaking of, so Colleen's birthday is on Earth Day. Mm-hmm. We leave, Danny and I leave very shortly on Easter. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to get married. They get in hitched. Yeah, we are. The bitch get hitched. 
very sorry to degrade your very important. <laughs> we don't have a wedding hashtag. Should that be it? No. Just kidding. Bitch it's get good. hitched. Bitch, bitch get hitched. Yeah. No, I don't like it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you have good taste if you don't Thank like you. that joke. Thank you. I saw that, first of all, I would like to point out, I'd never seen this before, and I was scrolling through Pinterest, like, wedding stuff the other day, mm-hmm. making some last minute, you know, choices, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm, what? What is a wedding hashtag? And I was like, oh, I'm not trendy enough to have one of those. I think, I think wedding hashtags are a good idea if you want pictures from your wedding from yeah. other people's point of views that's true i suppose that's it well we have we have a minute because we're going we're getting married on the first on may 1st mm-hmm. in scotland yeah guys they're going we're going international abroad. for this abroad oh abroad got moxie marriage uh, oh how cute but that kind of sounds like you and me are getting married <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's Danny, who's also in the room, and we always forget to introduce her. She is. She's here. She's <laughs> she's listening in. She's got her whiteboard at the at, at the, the ready. ready. <laughs> um, you can do a hashtag for your guys's like garden party. I was gonna say we'll figure something out before we come. You know, for when our when we come home and have our mm-hmm. our garden party here for our friends and family. Oh, all of this was to say that Colleen <laughs> and my bestie Peaches are flying to Scotland for us. Mm-hmm. Good friends. To get us married. Colleen got us a photographer. Oh. She's... Ugh. All the story, Colleen, all the stories that I've heard about you, because they talk behind your back. We do. Are, are, you're just an angel, though. It's an angel. You're a... I, I describe good you thing. as bright and shiny and sparkly. <laughs> and it's true, and we love you. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a shout-out. Unless you too. don't hear any of this because you don't listen to the podcast in which case we're gonna have to have a discussion in a, retracted. A, another week or so when we see you in scotland <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so that's this broad that broad's got moxie mm-hmm. here we are yep cocktails in hand cocktail literally literally in hand yeah i'm going first this week you are going first this week okay lay it on me girl I'm going to talk to you today about a young lady named Victoria Modesta. Do you know who she is? Mm. I, mm, I don't think so. Okay. She's still alive. Okay. Nope. And she's referred to as the world's first bionic pop star. What? Yeah. Oh boy, I'm excited about this. Yeah. Okay. So first my sources, victoriamodesta.com mostly, because it's all her, you know, it's mm-hmm. her website and her talking about herself. Um, and an article on The Guardian. I didn't write it down, but it's called mm. Victoria Modesta, the world's first amputee pop star by Emini Saner. Emini Saner. And Wikipedia. Perfect. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Yes. Let's, let's dive in here. So, Victoria Modesta was born in the USSR, which is now modern day Latvia, in mm. 1987, which... The, not all of the, you know, yeah, you guys yeah. know basic history. Back in the U.S., back in the USSR. I don't know what that is. <gasps> oh, heavens. Oh, they're both mad at me. It's the Beatles song. Oh, what Beatles song? Back in the USSR. I don't listen to her. 
damn it. Uh. I do have, I have, of the Beatles that I'm exposed to, I have it on vinyl. I have their, like, best hits on vinyl. Okay. Oh, well, don't worry. You'll, you'll hear it. It's I'll a good look, one. I'll look for it. Also, they were never in the USSR. No. <laughs> well, shut up. <laughs> um, so during her delivery, because we're still talking about her being born, there were complications which caused damage to her left leg that seemed irreversible. Mm-hmm. And from the way it sounds like it sounded like her like hip and knee were dislocated. Uh-huh. And then it, it didn't grow incorrectly. Yep. Or it something like that happened. But it was it was the doctor's fault. And because of the era she was born in, she was uh, her mother was offered the option of sending her to a special home made for pe- for children with physical and learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her mother refused. Good and for her. Instead, she was like, you know what? I'm going to raise my daughter, and she's going to be a confident young lady. And yeah, absolutely. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't. In her childhood, she enjoyed music and art. And at the age of six, Victoria began attending a performing arts school. Uh, where she studied piano, vocal performance, and sheet music. Dang. While she was in this, uh, while she wasn't in school, she spent much of her time growing up in hospitals and undergoing operations to her leg that ultimately failed. Oh god. So she was in the hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and of the hospitals where she spent most of her time, she described the environment as stifling and artificial. That sounds accurate to a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on top of this, it was the U.S. Uh, USSR, mm-hmm. the Soviet hospital. Not and, great. And she had to deal with the restrictive society of the regime mm-hmm. at the time. But by the age of 12, her and her family moved to London. Okay. Yep. And she, but while she was here, she went from the restrictive society of the USSR and a stifling and artificial environment of the hospital to London, where she experienced intense uh, culture shock and sort of realized that she was different. Okay. So at school, she she realized that being differently abled and also foreign made people look at her differently. Mm-hmm. And not in a positive light. Yeah. And it was really difficult for her. And by the age of 14, she described herself as borderline suicidal and dropped out of school. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. She gets hers. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But still, I mean, it's hard. It is hard enough being... A middle schooler or, like, just coming into high school age, mm-hmm. but then to also be like, oh, I, people look at me differently, and mm-hmm. that's, makes, oh, that's, that's heartbreaking. It's really, yeah. It was at this time after she dropped out that she found the underground subculture of London. Uh, she'd always been interested in music, but being submerged in this underground scene gave her a musical direction. Mm. I'm into this. Yeah. Uh, she got even more involved in music, performance, and fashion, and by the age of 15, she began modeling for subculture magazines and companies. Wow. Yeah. So she's, like, the first, like, differently abled... She might have been one of the first differently abled models? I don't know. Maybe? No. I'm gonna no. say no. Okay. No, because I'm gonna mention a different... Oh, okay. ...differently abled model, uh, model later on. Okay. But, I mean... Even nowadays, there's not a ton. There aren't. Yeah. Um, So she was really starting to flourish creatively in this environment, but couldn't ignore the effect that her leg had on her life. Mm -hmm. Uh, She knew that she would need to keep having operations on it, and worse, it reminded her of years of pain and operations done against her will. Mm. 
At this point, she describes that her spirit and her body were in conflict with one another and started thinking that her damaged leg didn't fit her identity. So in 1999, which is a few years before she'd come to this realization, Uh um, Alexander McQueen had opened a fashion show with Amy Mullins, a bilateral amputee, athlete, actress, and activist and model. Wow. She's really cool. I briefly did a deep dive into her. Yeah. She's very cool. And on the runway, she donned prosthetic legs that were carved from elm wood with flowers and branches whittled delicately into its surface. (gasps) That's so cool. I think it's on display somewhere. Or maybe it was on display somewhere. Like her leg? Like the... The the prosthetic, yeah. That's... I'm going to find that and I'm going to put it on the Instagram. Yeah. And like, it was... Oh, they're so cool. And their heels. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so rad. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. This avant-garde imagery of the two prosthetic legs being made of wood had inspired her to look into the possibility of amputating her leg. So uh, Victoria did. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 15, she approached doctors to discuss the steps that needed to be taken in order for this to happen. Wow. Yeah. And this was when she became modeling and she, like, really... Can you imagine at 15, like, knowing anything? Mm -mm. (laughs) Knowing anything, but then also coming to the conclusion of, like, this is just going to be a better choice for me, Mm -hmm. and it's going to make me happier than having to constantly deal with the pain and operations and recovery, and yeah. Wow. What a a choice. Yeah. But they didn't agree to it. (laughs) Boo. So she was done putting up with the discomfort and lack of choice that she had over her body and finally, and wanted to gain control of it. Mm -hmm. And so it took, she went to multiple doctors over five years before one had like sat down with her with her research that she had. Cause she didn't just go in there and was like, Hey, um, this seems like a cool idea. Can you just take this? Yeah. Yeah. No, she had a bunch of research done and knew that this would be the best choice for her. And uh, showed him that removing the lower part of her leg would reduce the pain and improve her life. And so he did this. Uh, she was 20 at the time. That was a lot. I was trying to catch up with my notes and be real casual <laughs> about it. <laughs> but it was just kind of like, uh, keep there talking. Was, keep there talking. was some <laughs> run-on sentences <laughs> that just kind of, you know, machine gunned out of there. Yeah. But but she's 20. Okay. And she got uh, this surgery which removed the lower part of her left leg. Yes, her left so leg. So, like, knee down? Knee down. Okay. Yeah. She described the surgery as a literal severing of the thing that was holding her back. It was a new moment for her, and she felt like a new person, and, quote, upgraded my opportunities, my comfort, my body. It was really empowering. And shortly after her transformation, she began several creative projects. Gorgeous. I'm so blown away. All you're not even halfway done, and I'm blown away by her. I'm fucking strength. We might pause this in in between my story and your story. Yeah, she has a music video called Prototype that's beautiful. Yep. Am it's I gonna so, cry? No. I probably will cry though. No, probably not. I I, I don't You'll... think you know me that well. <laughs> <laughs> Kittens and puppies. No, drop just, of a hat. It's so cool. Okay. Like, you'll be in awe of how the visuals of it all, because she's truly just an artist 
of it's... Oh, I'm, I just I just get the shivers. Like, I'm really <laughs> excited for this. Okay, please carry on. So, um, several creative projects. She began songwriting, co-producing, directing photo shoots, designing online media, and styling. She became prominent in fashion and art circles, performing at fashion week events, niche festivals such as Lovebox, and throughout the London night scene. Uh, she posed for a nude portrait in collaboration with an artist named James Stroud that was selected to be exhibited in London's National Port- Portrait Gallery. Wow. And I think it's still there. So she's still, a portrait of her is still hanging in that museum. Does, uh, I have no words. Yeah. I emailed Danny the day that I was doing this research, because mm-hmm. if every listeners know, we emailed <laughs> Danny, and she makes sure there's no crossover. But... I had, I have another, I have a whole list of women who I haven't covered yet. Mm-hmm. But then I had a dream about her. <laughs> really? Weirdly out of the blue about, cause I, just, she's visually just very cool. Mm-hmm. And I had a dream, woke up, emailed Danny, and then just started doing my notes. <laughs> <laughs> just in the, in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm getting into it right now. Yeah. Well, it was in the morning. But oh. I, cause I had been worried, cause I was like. Man, I'm not really vibing with the stories at this point. I, like, want to do the other ladies that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But then that she she came to me and I was like, brilliant. My subconscious had my back. Yeah, it did. It was like, I got you, boo. Yeah. Don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> I love it. I just but I weirdly made, like, bedtime, like, <laughs> bedroom eyes at Kiana as I said that. I realized it and went, that was weird. Don't do that. <laughs> I didn't look at you. So. Perfect. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I was in my notes, so you could have you could have just not told anybody. <sighs> this story of my life. I should just keep my fucking mouth shut. <laughs> okay. Back to Victoria. So in 2009, she launched her first musical writing collaborative project with musician slash producer Nick Hodges. Their first track, written was Jane Bond and was featured in Music Week playlist. It was a big deal, apparently. I don't mm-hmm. know what Music Week playlist nope. is. Nope. Um, and in 2010, she was selected as one of the six best unsigned artists in the UK. And that same year, she released her first EP. Hot damn. Yeah. So she's making making waves before she even came out with an album. Um, in 2012, she starred in the London Paralympic Closing Ceremony which was broadcasted live to over a billion viewers worldwide. What? Yeah. Uh, during the performance, she played a snow queen and wore Swarovski. Swarovski? Yeah. Okay. Swarovski. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day. <laughs> uh, she wore those uh, uh, cr- those crystal prosthetic legs. What? Oh my gosh. Oh man. I'm also going to put that on Instagram if I can find it. I had, I've saved a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. And it gave billions of viewers a new understanding of enhancing the cultural landscape through her vision of mixing fashion, sensuality, and physical augmentation in a progressive way. In 2014, she collaborated, in 2014, she collaborated with Channel 4, which is a television network in the UK, not just a net, not just Channel 4, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, and began her Born Risky campaign. Ooh. It aimed to fill the gap in media between pop aesthetic, art, and differently abled representation. The video- oh, this woman. She's 
so cool. I'm so I'm I'm just like I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, the video for the campaign was directed by Sam Far Faramond. Yeah, Sam Faramond, who does a bunch of uh, big stars. I think Mark Ronson is the only one that I'm remembering from mm. his uh, Wikipedia page that he directed. But it featured this this video campaign featured Victoria and her song Prototype. Just the what I t- okay about. yeah. It has over 11 million views on YouTube currently and over 16 million on Channel 4's Facebook page, and received a Silver Lion Award at the Cannes Film Festival. Dang. Yeah, and it was this project that labeled her as the world's first bionic pop star. I I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> um, within the video, they featured prosthetics made by the Alternative Limb Project, and it's a designer whose name is Sophie D. Uh, Oliviara, who was a what did you do? <laughs> special effects. Yes. Okay. So she was a, she went to school for special effects makeup, uh-huh. and then created this company. And teams up with differently abled people who need prosthetics mm-hmm. and designs their, That's so their prosthetics cool. for them. That's something that, just real quick side note, mm-hmm. that is absolutely something that I would be into doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, look look for and keep my eyeballs out for, like, things like that. Because fascinating. I would love to do something like that. It's, and her work is fantastic and she so she teams up with the person to really talk through what the um, prosthetic will look like Mm -hmm. and they both have this like mutual agreement that there's a lot of potential in prosthetics and they saw it saw it as an opportunity as a fashion item and an art project rather than trying to look like a leg yeah and it was really fun and exciting for both of them their collection includes a spike prosthetic just a fucking spike. <laughs> um, an intricate, like, brass design. Okay. That's, like, kind of, like, I was going to say, does it look like, a, like, it's like a steampunk? Yes. Oh, that's cool. A light-up design. So, in the music video prototype, she's coming through and her, the prosthetic lights up. Mm-hmm. And you think it's CGI, but it's actually the prosthetic lighting up. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Um, the crystal design that I mentioned earlier. And she has a prosthetic fitted with speakers. That's also very steampunk <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're all very intricate and beautiful and futuristic. And we'll def- we have to put pictures of it on our account. Oh my gosh. So we're just, I might just make a post that's just all prosthetics. We might, I usually do, you know, a couple pictures mm-hmm. of each person. Mm-hmm. I might just do, like, one full post for each person because this is blowing my mind. And I don't I don't, don't have it mentioned here because it was later in her career and one of the, her more recent prosthetics. But she has one that looks like a leg bone. Ooh. It's very much that. And mm-hmm. in the music video, and I think it's for Fiva, she has this, like, bone prosthetic and is wearing a, like, corset piece thing that also looks like bone. It's very, like, I'm so her, intrigued. Her whole thing is to look like the future. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool. I need a synonyms poster for very cool, because I've said very cool, and I feel like a, like a mom to a kid. <laughs> oh, very cool. That's okay. I said rad <laughs> earlier, and I was like, where Super did that gnarly. come from? 
So in 2016, she was featured on the Frontiers issue of Wired magazine, where her work of creatively redefining disability and the future female image was recognized amongst some of the biggest social breakthroughs. In 2017, she began a multidisciplinary project called Sonifica, where she combined high-tech fashion, prosthetics, architectural design, and music performance. And this is the, it's in this um, one where she has the bone. Oh, okay. Bone looking like. In addition to her performance-related work, she's also currently working on a prosthetics slash fashion business, hoping to benefit the lives of more female amputees. Damn. Yeah. Gosh, and that's. Ugh. When I had first heard of her, and I could. Where did you first hear about? There I... are so many people that you talk about that I'm like, okay, I can pinpoint how that one because you have a background mm-hmm. in communications and international studies mm-hmm. and is that right did i say that right what did you say i, I just said, said communications <laughs> and international studies yes okay perfect yeah so there's a lot of people that you talk about that i'm like okay i can see how like where that connection came from mm-hmm. same and i was telling you about this the other day like i'm 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 an artist Mm-hmm. if you will. <laughs> yeah. And so those are the people that I'm drawn to and know those names. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so curious as to where how, where where the connection was that you were like she sounds interesting. I'm going to look into her. Where did that happen? At two two places. Mm-hmm. So she'd come up with the when I her Paralympic performance uh-huh. because I had taken a class that talked about sport and society. And how sports kind of affect the bigger cultural understanding or how it kind of plays into each other. Okay. Very interesting. Specifically with the Olympics. So you talk about like mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Owens running yeah. in Hitler's Germany and breaking the fat. Like those exactly. had implications. Absolutely. And um, we were talking about how a lot of just delving more into the Paralympic stuff mm-hmm. and how people think that the para and para paralympic stands for paraplegic uh-huh but it stands for parallel because it runs parallel to the olympics yes exactly so i had heard of her performance but didn't really dive into that and mm-hmm. then i had read an article about her that was a um she's trying to make prosthetics more affordable oh and so that sort of activism Fucking good did. for her yeah yeah fascinating so that's how i heard of her and that's so she's working on this business, but it's not yet come to fruition uh-huh. because this was in 2017. But she's working on it, and she's you know, in in the midst of it right now. In the midst of it, and I think 3D printing will help a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure will. Uh, yeah. Um. She frequently does public talks and works advertising global brands on the future of disability life's disability lifestyle, future culture, socially impactful investments, technology, and art as well as her pursuits with works as an activist and a promoter of innovation. Yeah. That's a resume. Yeah. I think it's really cool, specifically, that she works really closely with science and, like, creation and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Especially because it's sort of perceived that people who drop out of school aren't smart. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not the case. Yeah. It's definitely not... (laughs) In in her case also, because she'd left school at 14, mm-hmm. but now she's in the science world and artistic world and just really pushing for innovation. Mm-hmm. Great. And she's, 
her like main message is stressing the importance of bringing together art and science for a better future for everybody. Mm-hmm. Boy, howdy. Um, and I'm going to end. Truth. <laughs> I'm going to end with a quote. Tell me. She's quote. I've been asked if I feel I represent disability and I don't think I do. I represent the feeling that you have a choice to create your own identity. It is more than just coming out as the first amputee music fashion artist, whatever you want to call it. It's about taking charge of your own assets. If you don't fit in, then don't fit in. Amen. Oh, gosh. I am just... I'm... She's brilliant. Yeah. She's... Uh, what is it uh, called? Crazy Horse? Horse Crazy Paris? It's this very famous, like burlesque place yeah i think crazy horse i think crazy horse Mm -hmm. she's has a show coming up there really Mm -hmm. and it's yeah i think it's in july but i was checking out her twitter to like what you've been up to girl right okay and Mm -hmm. that's like the most i don't because i've never heard of her before and now we're gonna follow her on instagram yeah and keep tabs on on where this is going because that's this is her oh show me yeah quality this is her crystal look Ugh. It's so pretty. Are you ready for the spike? The spike is what she starts her. I don't think I'm ready for it. I don't know if she starts her music video with the spike. At the she ends it with a like a ballerina dance with. I've seen this. I have seen this. I don't remember where, but I remember going. I I was blown away by it, and I was mm. like, "This is so cool!" And then I, but I didn't know like. I don't think I knew, like, I didn't know her name or how to, like, delve further into it. But that is so neat. Mm -hmm. Good on ya. Way to go. That's the speaker one. This is... I like her because I like things that are a little, like, dark and, like, interesting and... Yeah. That's what I'm drawn to. That's why I like... Yeah. True crime. She's... I like weird stuff. She has... Not, she has a look about mm-hmm. about her that is very dramatic mm-hmm. and it's intriguing and it's like you can see the wheels turning mm-hmm. that she's like, I'm making a statement, but fucking like you watch me. Mm-hmm. This is going to blow your mind. I love. And it absolutely does. And you know what else I really like about her? I love a bitch with a round face. Me too. <laughs> she has she has one. God, I love I yep, I love a bitch with a round face too because hey. Yeah. <laughs> Rotund. Like like a moon. <laughs> I look like a wheel of cheese. Mm. <laughs> Is it Gouda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you were a cheese, would you be a Gouda? I'd be a smoked Gouda. Oh, smoked Gouda. <laughs> Fancy. Mm-hmm. Lurf, what kind of cheese would you be? Boy, this... It takes her 20 minutes to choose a toothbrush. I never should have asked this question. A hard crumble. Uh, I think I would be... I would... I'd be one of two things. And I, I have a hard... Maybe it would depend on the day. Okay. I would, I would either be, like... Yeah, like Danny said, like, an aged cheddar mm-hmm. that's, like crumbly and has little like crunchy Crystals. little yeah. crystally crunchy bits in it because there's mm, oh they're so good or i would be like a like a a brie because mm. oh, mm-hmm, soft and like butter like like a, a margot brie so not 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 like earthy 
mm-hmm. like a regular brie, mm-hmm. but like a real buttery, like yeah. eat it Rich. with, yeah, eat it with like, you know, bougie, bougie crackers and like a jam on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's I it. also think I'd be feta. Feta? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just, I'm a pretty <laughs> accessible person, but once you access it, it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. I wonder if there's anybody who would be like, you know what kind of cheese I am? I really feel like I identify with, like, a camembert. And be like, you're terrible then? (laughs) You don't like camembert? No. I think it smells like a foot. And it is not good. I tried it. You you just described me, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're terrible and smell like a foot? Yeah. Maybe I'm that type of cheese. <laughs> I like a good baked camembert. Camembert. When's that cocktail coming? It's coming. Okay. Enough cheese talk. Yeah. How did we? I don't know. Moonface. Oh, round. Moon yeah. faces. Okay. And then you said cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, coming around. <laughs> like a wheel of cheese. <sighs> okay. Jeez. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I will tell you, this is, like, two and a half, almost three pages. But there's just a lot of, like, information that needs to be there to kind of set the scene. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be fine. Okay. So, today, I'm talking about Bonnie Parker. The Bonnie. The Bonnie Parker. Okay. The, uh, the one half of the notorious criminal duo... Known as Bonnie and Clyde. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Real quick, I would like to just boop put this out there. So I know this girl, her name's Victoria. And Modesta. what? Victoria Modesta. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I can't remember her last name right Don't offhand. Say it. And that's true. I shouldn't <laughs> do that. Anyway, Vic- I met Victoria working on I don't remember which show it was, but it was with Pittsburgh Musical Theater. Mm-hmm. So she's an actress. She sings. She dances. She's super talented. A peach. Mm-hmm. And she recently was in a like a stage production of the musical Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. And we tried to like get in touch so I could answer, ask her a bunch of interview questions. Yeah. But I was like, shit, I chose Bonnie Parker too late. So we're... I'm hoping we can, I can do, like, an interview with her, Mm -hmm. and then we can put it on our Patreon. Nice. So. Once we get that running. Once we get that up. We're still trying to figure out the intricacies of this. (laughs) Also the time, because you are, at this point, going to Scotland. Mm. So soon. I can't. All right. Let's, let's, let's get into this. Okay. Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was born in Rowena, Texas, on October 1st, 1910. Hmm. Her father, Charles, was a bricklayer, um, and he died when Bonnie was four. And then her mother, Emma, uh, worked as a seamstress. She was the middle child between her older brother, Hubert, and her younger sister, Billy. And I was like, oh, Billy and Bonnie, how cute. And then there's Hubert, which <laughs> <laughs> I thought was really funny. I was, I, it always interests me so much about, like, these people's families. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... You, what? Okay. My my oldest sister's name is Kyla. Yeah. And I'm Kiana. Those mm-hmm. are pretty, like, unique names. Yeah. And my middle sister's name is Brittany. Boring. 
Britney. <laughs> Britney, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. I know a lot of good Britneys. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I can't name one. It's Britney, bitch. <laughs> That's boom, number one. Do you like how I said I don't know one good Britney? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Shade. <sighs> mm. So Bonnie was, Bonnie was very smart, charismatic, and exceptionally pretty. She was an honor student. She enjoyed reading. She enjoyed writing poetry and dreamed of becoming an actress. Okay. Because everyone was like, oh, you're gorgeous and you're, you have such a wonderful personality. You should be an actress. So, yeah. September 25th, 1926. So, just six days before her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. She married her handsome high school sweetheart, Roy Thornton. You know how I feel about the name Roy. <laughs> I, I do. Also, his name's not Clyde. His, <laughs> it sure isn't. But I, I'll, tell I'll, I'll tell you more. Uh, he was a hot bad boy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so she just kind of dove into this runaway romance with this boy. Their marriage was not great. Roy was frequently away from home. He probably was abusive, mm-hmm. considering they had a shitty relationship. And he had many run-ins with the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Bonnie believed that he had another lady on the side, and she was pissed off about that. Yeah. But I think <laughs> the reason why their relationship was not great is because Bonnie... It got a tattoo mm-hmm. right above her right knee, like on her thigh, mm-hmm. which is so scandalous. Yeah. And so it, it was like two hearts, like mm-hmm. double hearts that said Roy and Bonnie. And oh. boy, if that's not a big one-two punch KOD, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> I just... <laughs> so I have two stories. Mm-hmm. First of all... Real quick, so we're in. We were talking about tattoos in the kitchen when we were eating dinner a little while ago, mm-hmm. and I was talking about the tattoo that I have on the back of my neck, <laughs> talking about my terrible ex got the same tattoo in the same place after I did. Ten, oh, li- ten minutes after I was done, she was like, "I want that," and I was like, you "I can't. can't. I you didn't tell me this oh. part of the." <laughs> You went in there like, let's get nope. matching tats, girl. Oh, no. That was, I got mine first. And then the shady bitch got, mm-hmm. I, let's, okay. Describe my face. <laughs> Kiana has this ridiculous grin. She looks so surprised, but shocked. But also in fits of hilarity. Just the pure audacity. The, getting a matching you tattoo have, with somebody, but not... But not fucking telling me? <laughs> She's dying. Oh. Kiana is so shook by this. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The most upsetting. I was like, even even at the time when we were together, I was like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? I don't fucking think so. Anyway, so we're in the kitchen. I'm telling this story to Kiana. 
and <laughs> clearly didn't tell her that part. Yeah. Well, I didn't get there, but I kind of, you know, said under my breath, it was like, oh, it's Arabic. And, and I was like, uh, dumb cunt. And Kiana goes, oh, is that what it says? <laughs> And it was the most serious fucking bazinga I've ever heard in my life. It was so solid. Oh, man, I was like, oh, shit. You deserve you deserve an award for that one. Because it was just like, like mm, it was perfect. So my other story that I was originally going to tell before we had that fucking incident. Yeah. So the story of a, a KOD and a half. Oh, it's a bad one. Once a, I will not use real names. Once upon a time, when I was in my early 20s, I had these two friends who were a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. and their relationship was, oh, oh boy, it was the worst. Mm-hmm. But I was always, I always kind of like, I was like, I can't believe you guys are together. This is such a bad idea. And so... The one mm-hmm. left for two weeks to go visit her family and came back and had a tattoo of of her girlfriend's name, mm-hmm. but it was like hidden on her inner hip, mm-hmm. and it was like mm, two inches, okay, two inches long, quite small in little script, mm-hmm. just her girlfriend's name. Soon after that. <laughs> The uh, the second party mm-hmm. in this relationship, for some ungodly reason, mm-hmm. got her girlfriend's name tattooed on her. Mm-hmm. Not in a tasteful script. Okay. Not in an inconspicuous place. Okay. She got her name eight, I don't know, eight, somewhere between eight and ten inches. Oh my god. In big red graffiti letters down her side like on on her side like on her rib cage down to her waist oh my god oh my god (laughs) and i was like you did what (laughs) this is the worst idea so kod it was a real true story because like six months later they broke up for good after being in a relationship for several years that was terrible and to find out the one with the big giant name down her side had been cheating on the other girl oh for my God. the entire time. Oh my God. I was like, oh, you you branded yourself <sighs> with giant graffiti letters. That was a guilt tattoo. Oh, sure was. Mm-hmm. I just think tattoos of significant others. That's a terrible bad idea. idea. It's bad. I didn't even, we were in Dublin getting mm-hmm. tattoos. Mm-hmm. And my friend, my best friend Maddie, yeah, got a shamrock. Oh, cute! Commemorated because mm-hmm. she had been planning on doing that. And I was like, "That's a good idea," but I don't want a matching tattoo, <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot get it. And she was just my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad. It's a bad idea, guys. Here's a PSA for you: Don't get fucking matching tattoos with anybody because it, it's gonna end badly. Unless it's, like, your sister. I mean, yeah, sister, sure. My sister has our initials oh, behind nice. her ear. Mm-hmm. My sisters will be nowhere on my body. <laughs> <laughs> I 
we don't like that much. Just I love kidding. Britain. Sorry. Sorry. This is mine. I've I've gotten your hand-me-downs for years. For years. <laughs> this is my body and it's nobody else's. Nobody's name will be on it. That's right. We will not do that. Oh, I have a similar, I have the same tattoo as my mom. No. Oh. My I'm mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Does your mom have my, tattoos? No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> was my mother. She doesn't seem like the type. My mother is a God-faring woman. <laughs> and a very unexpectedly, I turned out to be the rebel of the family. Yeah, you did. In that I left to London, mm-hmm. dyed my hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> got two tattoos, <laughs> and then came back and my mom was like, well, I can't do anything about it now, but I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, you're like, that's why, that's why I did it across the ocean. Yeah. I didn't have you, mm, you FaceTime me, I'll hang up. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. And then I got my third test. Uh, perfect. We sidetracked a lot. Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I said, despite their shitty relationship, they separated, uh, but they never divorced. And Bonnie wore her wedding ring until the day she died, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. I saw a picture of it. Is it a real diamond? It is. In fact, it's a really beautiful, like, vintage, gorgeous ring. Mm-hmm. But, spoiler alert, they die. Everybody knows And that. the ring actually went back to Roy's family. And it's oh. still in his family. So oh. whoever has his ring now is wearing a ring that Bonnie... Parker War. Damn. For cool. several years. Yeah, it was very interesting. In 1929, after leaving Roy for good, she moved back in with her mother and started work as a waitress in Dallas. Side note, one of her regular customers in this cafe that she worked at was a mailman named named Ted Hinton. Okay. And he ended up joining the Dallas Sheriff's Department in 1932. So, we'll see him again in a I'll few years. Mm-hmm. Bunny wrote about how bored and lonely she was and how she longed for something exciting to happen. <laughs> I put, I imagine her on top of a hill going, I want adventure in the great white somewhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, she's bored. And, like, I'm living with my mom. I'm a waitress. What is happening in my life? Girl. And enter Clyde Barrow. Uh, there are a couple of stories about how they met, but the one I like the best. Okay. <laughs> it's a real meat cute. Okay. Um, so, like I said, several stories, but I picture it. A friend of Bonnie's is having a hard time around the house because she's got a broken arm. Mm-hmm. Bonnie says, girl... I got you. I'm going to come. I'm going to stay with you for a little bit and help out around the house. One afternoon, someone stops by the house. Bonnie walks out of the kitchen holding two mugs of hot cocoa mm-hmm. and, like, locks eyes with Clyde from across the room. Sparks fly. The clouds part. Angels sing. True love. <laughs> that's okay. that's how it played out in my head, and that's, how, that's the one I liked best. Okay. Shortly after they met, Clyde was arrested, and... <laughs> Like, literally less than two months. Mm -hmm. So he's arrested, and while he's in jail, he reached out to Bonnie for help. And much to her mother's dismay, she was like, you married 
a criminal. <laughs> you came back to me and got your senses, and here we go again. Yeah. So much to her mother's dismay, Bonnie smuggled a gun inside the jail. <laughs> <laughs> and Clyde used it to escape. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not sure where she put it. Did they check? I'd probably not. She probably just put it in her fucking hat. That's true. <laughs> she didn't like, bake it in a cake or whoop. anything. <laughs> whoop. It was such like a three stooges, like, miming situation. It was really good. Uh, let's see. A few days later, after, so he escaped jail. Um, a few days later, he was recaptured, sentenced to 14 years of hard labor, and was sent to the Eastham Prison Farm. This was in April of 1930. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit, a little smidge about Clyde. While he was there, Clyde used a lead pipe to smash another inmate's head in. Nice. Not great. Yeah. This was Clyde Barrow's first murder. Uh, though another inmate who was already serving a life sentence took the blame. Oh. Also, Clyde wanted to avoid hard work in the fields. Mm-hmm. So he convinced another inmate to use an axe to chop off two of his toes. Okay. I can... <laughs> He's like, ugh, um... I do not want to go and smash rocks and plant fields. So just chop off my big my big toe and my pointer toe and we'll be fine. Do you think if I do that I'd get a sick day? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Also. I can also just if... call in when I'm sick. <laughs> you could also do that because I was going to say, the, this next sentence is, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life, had to drive in his socks, and was terrible at yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, two toes, go to yoga. As, you know, I mean, the, it's a real Sophie's choice. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Clyde's mother had successfully petitioned an early release for him six days after he cut off his fucking toes. <laughs> and I, then I said, karma? Question mark? I mean, you beat a dude's head in with a lead pipe. The least you can do is <laughs> karma is lose a couple toes. That's true. Yeah. Oh, I when I read that, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> like, blew my mind. After Clyde was released from prison, Sans... Oh. Sounds like it belongs in Alanis Morissette. It does! <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's like... Get released! <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving that in! <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so perfect. <laughs> Oh, man. That's good. (laughs) Okay. All right. Bringing it back. After Clyde was released from prison, minus two toes, so it's February 1932, him and a a named, a a man named Ralph Fultz assembled a gang of 'er (laughs) (laughs) ne'er-do-wells. The ugliest laugh I've ever said out of my life. (laughs) Just like (laughs) ne'er-do-wells. That was a good one. I was like, I've never typed this in my life. I just wasn't expecting it. I like that a lot. 
Also, the way I typed it before I fixed it, it said Nerdowells. <laughs> and it made me laugh even harder. Whew. Sorry about that. What happened? <laughs> oh, okay. They began. Oh, I, had, I got tears. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about Okay. The 'er ne'er-do-wells began a series of small robberies at stores and service stations. On April 19th, Bonnie, who had, you know, was part of the gang, Mm -hmm. Bonnie and Ralph were arrested in a failed attempt to rob a hardware store. So, they're trying to steal guns and ammunition. While she awaited trial, she passed the time by writing poetry about her relationship with Clyde. And this is something that you can Google. I didn't know this, but they actually have lots of poetry and writings and journal entries and stuff Mm -hmm. um, that you can read. Among Bonnie's collection of later found writings is The Trail's End. It's a poem called The Trail's End. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) weirdly enough, the last stanza of the poem uh, seems to foretell their fate. She wrote, someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law a relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like. That's just it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you could have just said that and I would have been like, that's the story. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely, that is the story. Uh, Bonnie testified uh, when she finally, you know, got got her her day in trial, mm-hmm. her day in court, um, Bonnie testified that she had been kidnapped by the Barrow Gang, and like forced into it, mm-hmm. and so the grand jury didn't find her guilty. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Ladies can't commit crime. No, especially not really, really pretty ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After nearly two months in custody, she was released. Meanwhile, Ralph was tried, convicted, and sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Once out of jail, Bonnie and Bonnie joined Clyde and his gang, and began they began this big, huge crime spree. Mm-hmm. The gang would get in like shootouts with the police. They robbed banks and stole cars. Mm-hmm. On the run from the law, they made their way to a hideout in Joplin, Missouri. So they did all. They started all their hooligans Mm -hmm. in texas and made their way to missouri to avoid the police the the couple with their friend wd jones met up with clyde's brother buck Mm -hmm. and buck's wife blanche Mm -hmm. so we got bonnie clyde Mm -hmm. wd Mm -hmm. buck Mm -hmm. and blanche Mm -hmm. five people the group uh the group ran loud alcohol-fueled card games late into the night in, a, in this quiet neighborhood. Yeah. Not great. Not inconspicuous at all. Yeah. So the men came and went noisily at all hours, and Clyde accidentally discharged a rifle in the apartment while he was cleaning it one day. And oh, my peop- God. <laughs> and the neighbors were like, what's going on? Oh, my God. That's bad. It's real bad. He was like, whoops-a-daisy. It's, it's really amazing that he didn't accidentally shoot one of the five people in the room. Mm-hmm. So finally, a neighbor reported their suspicions to the the Joplin Police Department. 
the police assembled a five-man patrol to go and check out the, they were suspected bootleggers. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they're making hooch. Mm-hmm. Is what Bath they're doing. Bathtub gin. Bathtub gin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though they were taken by surprise, Clyde remained calm under pressure. But then he quickly killed uh, a man oh named God. Detective McGinnis and then fatally wounded Constable Harriman. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't. Like, you could have just answered his questions. Everybody, listeners, murder, bad. Bad. With a capital B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Where? What if we just talk somebody off the ledge of murder? <laughs> With just one like... three-word sentence. Murder. Bad. Oh, that's only two words. <laughs> we said is. Did we say is? I thought you just... I that was a weird sound. I, I thought you just... my throat. <laughs> I thought you, like, said it like murder equals bad. Like, I, when you said it, I the saw e- an equal okay. sign. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Anyways, <clears throat> don't murder people. Don't murder people. So, there's this, they, they shoot these two people, one dies, they hightail it out of the house, get in their car. During the escape from the, from the apartment, Bonnie laid down cover fire with her rifle. Oh. And jumped into the car as it was driving. Yeah. And then, (laughs) they also, like, had to drive and, like, go scoop up Blanche, because she was, like, chasing after her little dog. (laughs) Like, couldn't couldn't leave him behind. Yeah. Though they escaped from the police, most of their possessions were left behind, Oof. including a large arsenal of weapons, oh. a journal of Bonnie's poems, and a camera with a bunch of undeveloped film. These, these items went out to the newswire, and the notorious Barrow gang, gang became front-page news all across America. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of pictures... That you can that you can see, of like there's a picture of Clyde like holding Bonnie, mm-hmm. you know like like holding her up off the ground. Yeah. And there's one of her with like holding a gun with a big cigar in her mouth. Yeah. And it's like, here's a misconception. People thought she was a cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. She smoked cigarettes. Yeah. But for this picture, she was like, oh, let's be silly. I'll, you know, you have a, let me hold your cigar. Yeah. And they would, they just like thought it was funny to take pictures of themselves, like holding them up at gunpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Like stick them up. Yeah. You know, click. Uh, Which I thought was kind of like fun and whimsical. Yeah. (laughs) For people doing terrible things. murderers. (laughs) Whimsical murderers. That's what we're all about here. (laughs) For the next three months, the group traveled from Texas to Minnesota and then Indiana and everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. They robbed banks and stores and constantly stole cars and license plates. Blanche actually said, like, we we committed more more crimes with, like, screwdrivers in hand than our guns because they were just stealing license plates so they could avoid being, you know, suspicious yeah they didn't hesitate to shoot anyone who got in their way however if they needed to kidnap someone briefly they would often release them and give them some money so they could get home oh that happened on several occasions in fact at at the end i'm gonna Mm -hmm. bring this full circle and tell you a little a little blurb about that the news exposure 
was not great for the gang. (laughs) They're trying to avoid getting caught. Mm -hmm. So they had to stay away from busy areas so they wouldn't be identified. They resorted to cooking over a campfire and had to bathe in, like, streams and rivers. Not fun. Mm -mm. Also, five people in a car for long periods of time under stressful conditions made for some uncomfortable bickering. (laughs) Which made me laugh because there's <clears throat> there's a song that comes on the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend radio station, mm-hmm. and it's called Trapped in a Car with Someone I Don't Want to Be Trapped in a Car With. <laughs> that's that's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's what I just said. No, you said the radio station. I thought you meant it was oh. something else. I didn't... No. It's Let's... the cast radio station, and yeah. it happens to be a song from it. Yeah. And it sounds like a Beach Boys song, and it makes me laugh so hard every yeah. time. Especially because they said something about corn chips. And earlier today, Danny was like, I gotta take a shower. I smell like corn chips. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, it's just really funny. Here's, things start to go down from here. Uh, One day, while Clyde was driving around, and WD was in the back seat and Bonnie was in the front seat, he missed the warning signs about a bridge that was under construction and flipped the car into a ravine. Oh. Yeah, it was it was real bad. Uh, there's some disagreement about whether it was a gasoline fire or battery acid, but Bonnie sustained third-degree burns to her right leg so severe that the muscles contracted yeah. and caused the leg to, quote, draw up. And W.D. Jones, the guy in the backseat, later said... She'd been burned so bad, none of us thought she was going to live. The hide on her right leg was gone from her hip down to her ankle. I could see the bone in places. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, my God. The look on both of your faces is just... That's... Uh, it's really... It's really bad. That burns... It's I, the worst. In high school, mm-hmm. I did mock trial... Mm-hmm. And you basically get a fake case, mm-hmm. and you and we did a hot coffee case because similar to the yep. McDonald's hot coffee case, but we had to learn about burns and oh. become kind of well versed in like, you know, when it's a liquid, it's much worse than yeah. a dry burn, mm-hmm. and if that's an acid burn mm-hmm. or a gasoline burn. Fuck off. Yeah. And it, fuck you for putting that in my the brain. The worst. I'm so sorry. I, I was like, I, I did not know this. I didn't either. But it makes sense, especially after I tell you this little part. So after the injury, Bonnie could hardly walk. Mm. So she either hopped on her good foot or Clyde would carry her. Oh. So, which seems, it ha- this happened... The photos, specifically, Mm -hmm. there's a photo of Clyde, because she's really, she's super little. Mm -hmm. She's a very petite woman. And so the picture of Clyde, like, holding her up, I was like, oh, how does this connect? The photos, that photo, I think, specifically was taken before this happened. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine him... Being able to do that. Kind of, you know, just picking her up and carrying her around, like, almost like a little kid, Mm -hmm. because she's so little, and now she can't fucking walk yeah so the terrible accident had the gang on the move again they found themselves renting a cabin in a tourist court so just like a camping resort Mm -hmm. and after some suspicious encounters with blanche 
the police arrived and there's another gunfight. Mm-hmm. Once again, they escaped, but not unscathed this, this time. Mm-hmm. Bonnie is still tending to her very fresh wounds. Buck was shot in the forehead and Blanche Ooh. had been nearly blinded by shattered glass. Did Buck die? Yes, he did. Okay. Not right away, though. Because that skull. Yeah, that's like, yeah. He stops surprisingly getting shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Your skull stops a lot of the bullets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kill me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, 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 he didn't die right away. Yeah. Because five days later, they had, they had moved from, I think, hmm, this cabin is in, I want to say it was in like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But five days later, they're now in Iowa. Oh. And the, the group was confronted. They're hanging out in the parking lot of like an amusement park. Mm-hmm. And they're confronted by a group of police there because people are like, what's going on here? There's these people are covered in blood and bandages. Yeah. <clears throat> and then there's another gunfight. Mm-hmm. Bonnie, Clyde, and WD escaped on foot. But Blanche oh. was arrested. Mm-hmm. Buck was. I mean, he was basically a goner, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he was also injured in that gunfight again. They took him to the hospital and then he died. Yeah. So in November of 1933, Bonnie was indicted for her first warrant for murder. So, I mean, she's, she's fully involved. She's taken people out. Mm -hmm. It's not good. A lot of people got hurt. Yeah. In their interactions with, with Bonnie and Clyde and their gang. Mm-hmm. So after a prison break that Clyde had orchestrated at the at the Eastham prison farm, mm-hmm. he orchestrated this big, huge prison break. And then a vicious showdown kind of went down shortly thereafter that left several lawmen dead. Yeah. So Bonnie, after that, Bonnie and Clyde hit the road for the last time. Police were on their tails and tracked them to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So, on Wednesday, May 23rd, 1934, Bonnie and Clyde are driving, they're diving down this rural, (laughs) a rural road. God. And they were ambushed by police hiding in the bushes on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Ted Hinton. Oh. Oh. The former mailman. Mm-hmm. was part of this posse. So he knew who she was. Yeah. He knew exactly what was going to happen. So over 130 rounds were fired at the Ford V8 that they were driving. Mm-hmm. And they were killed instantly. Oof. Oof. Yeah. I mean, you've killed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But also there was like... Several stories about what happened. Did somebody say, okay, this is what we're going to do and everybody has to fall in line and do this? Mm-hmm. Or did somebody say stop? Did they say halt? Did they get them to start stop the car mm-hmm. before they shot him up? Oh. Or did, did they, they give? Just... Or did they just start shooting and not stop? Yeah. So Bonnie and Clyde were so famous by this time. Mm-hmm. That souvenir seekers at the scene cut off bloody pieces of Bonnie's hair. No. Nope. <laughs> and pieces of her dress. 
No. And one man, wait for it, attempted to cut off Clyde's trigger finger. Mm-hmm. People mm, my God. need to not. <laughs> right? I, I just, I was like, I'm sorry, they did what? Also, apparently one man pulled out a knife mm-hmm. and was going to cut off one of his ears. I, what are you going to do with it? I, that's, actually, the dress, the the bloody mm-hmm. piece of dress and the bloody piece of hair were sold at, as, it's a, as a well, thing. Yeah. Somebody. I can understand things that are meant to come off of your body at natural points. Sure. <laughs> you know? But not your pointer finger. What are you going to do to preserve that finger? Or an ear? Right? You just got a jar of formaldehyde laying around? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, the Undertaker had a difficult time embalming the bodies because of all the bullet holes. There's, it differentiates between, like, they were each shot 25 plus times. Mm -hmm. I, I, and there was one that was like, you know, they were shot. They both had multiple, like, wound, like, face wounds. Mm-hmm. They they just had a hell of a time kind of, like, um, yeah. trying to piece them together. Mm-hmm. An estimated 20,000 people attended Bonnie Parker's funeral. What? Yeah. I, I can't even. So just some interesting little pieces of information. Mm-hmm. So overall, Bonnie was an accomplice to 100 or more felony criminal acts during her two-year career in crime. Two years. Two. She only had an arrest warrant out for her once? <laughs> no, just oh. just her first one came in 1933. But I think by the time they were killed, she there was a, a laundry okay. list. Yeah. I thought this in the storyline of, like, it was like, and then she was... Oh. And then I, she, I was like, she's only had one? Okay. Yeah. Where was I? Okay. So she's accomplice to a hundred or more felony criminal acts, um, including eight murders, Mm -hmm. seven kidnappings, at least six bank robberies, or at least successful ones, Mm -hmm. a ton of armed robberies, countless automobile thefts, one major jailbreak, and an episode of assault and battery. Also, not to mention, she did all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. At a time when being a, quote, habitual criminal was a capital offense in Texas. Yeah. So (laughs) she did all of this shit and then also was like, (laughs) you keep doing this shit so you're also getting in trouble just for doing all the shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. She should have stopped. She should (laughs) have. Yeah. She died when she was 23. Oh my, that's how old I am. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes you when you're 23. Yeah. You better fucking watch it. Well, I'm not a murderer. You're not. Thank <laughs> or goodness. a bank robber or an assault. I mean, you speed a little bit sometimes. No. I go under the speed limit Do if you anything. really? Yeah. Oh, you're such a grandma. I live next to a speeding camera. Mm. I got caught on the speeding camera once, but the car isn't registered to me. Mm-hmm. It's registered to Danny. <gasps> Who is asleep? <laughs> Oh, sweet baby angel. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Anyway, yeah, I got caught. And it went to Danny. Mm -hmm. And she had to just be like, this isn't me. And so, but it it caught me. Um, So I had two little, like, other things to mention. So 
Remember when I mentioned that they would, like, kidnap people, mm-hmm. but that... Let them go. Excuse me. Let them go. Mm-hmm. And would even sometimes, like, give them money to get to wherever they needed to be. So there's a man named H.D. Darby, who was an undertaker, and his girlfriend, Sophia Stone, had... They had been kidnapped by the Barrow Gang, and so they stole their car, but they had released them. Mm-hmm. Like, Bonnie and Clyde said, we just want your car. We're going to drive a little ways, but then we'll let you out. You'll be safe. Um, and this happened just shortly before Bonnie and Clyde were killed. Mm-hmm. So H.D. Darby and Sophia came to identify the bodies. Mm. So while they had been all in the car together after they had stolen this vehicle, Bonnie reportedly laughed when she asked Darby what he did for a living mm-hmm. and discovered he was an undertaker. Yeah. And supposedly she said, maybe you'll some, maybe someday you'll be working on me. Oh. And sure as shit, Darby assisted the undertaker in embalming both of them. She manifested that. She did. She put that out in the world. Yeah. And then bad things, bad things fucking came back around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Last thing. So the Ford V8 mm-hmm. that they died in and the shirt that that Clyde was wearing that day mm-hmm. were purchased by a man from Nevada and they it toured like he would take it places yeah and and let people like see it yeah. for a very long time but since 2011 it has been in a casino called Whiskey Pete's <laughs> okay <laughs> so Whiskey Pete's casino um in Prim Nevada and that's where it's been for the last you know eight years so you can actually go and like there's a display where you can look at the car and see Clyde's mm-hmm. shirt that's just full of blood spatter and bullet, bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's cool. Yeah. I think here's the thing about me because Tell me. I like true crime and I like ghosts. And yes. I like yep. Being I like being spooked. Yeah, me too. I can see these artifacts. I can. I know. I seek it out. I'm like, I want to mm-hmm. see this. Mm-hmm. And then I look at it and then realized a human life was lost. And immediately yep. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, this is dark. Mm-hmm. And then I can't. Yeah. I want it. And then it's like with a ghost. It's like, ooh, it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. We... It's widely believed that that's a, a tortured human spirit. Exactly. That is sad. When, when, we, when Danny and I went to... <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> When we went to Vegas a couple months ago, we went to... What? Did you go to Zach Baggins' haunted museum? No, we didn't. I think we were going to try and go to a couple places, but because we were staying right on the strip, Mm -hmm. we were like, I don't know. We just kind of didn't know, like, how to get around and where we wanted to go and what was going to be worth it. But we did go to the Titanic exhibit Mm. because Danny is obsessed with all things Titanic related. Mm -hmm. And so they have their like 
key, the like major thing is they have, I think, I think it's just called the big piece mm-hmm. and it's the biggest piece of the Titanic that they've been able to recover. Okay. And it's like 22 feet long and 18 feet high. And you can see the porthole windows and just, it's, oh man, it gave me the chills. So walking through this exhibit, we saw, you know, a bunch of information and photos Mm -hmm. about the people who were on it and who helped build it. But then there were a ton of artifacts. Mm -hmm. Like this, these, this, you know, satchel of papers belonged to this person and this is why he was traveling and so stuff like that. Also, it was super creepy because we went into this room, like it was a very, it's a very good exhibit, Mm -hmm. but we go into this, this like room and it's all dark and it's super quiet except for like just the smallest like whisper of like water sounds Mm -hmm. and it's completely black except there's a couple little star stars on this wall Mm -hmm. right and it's super cold in there and the next room you go into they had man-made this huge chunk of ice Mm -hmm. that you could go up and like actually touch and the room was freezing cold and they had pieces of the ship in there it was super it was super creepy and interesting but it was like attaching people to yeah. these things and having a story behind it, it was very much like, oh, yeah, oh, it becomes a real bummer when you're like, this is yeah, it's cool and creepy and spooky, yeah. but then you're like, oh, but this person died mm-hmm. in a tragic way. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah, it sucks yeah. the life right out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I was like, whoever's wearing this Bonnie Parker ring, I hope it's just like in a box somewhere. Yeah. It's just like an heirloom. It's not actually in in use. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That's a bad... I feel like that's got some bad juju. Because she did... There's photos of, you know, crime scene photos, obviously. But I saw, like, a zoomed-in photo of her hand mm-hmm. as it's, like, hanging out of the car. Yeah. And her ring is still that. on. I and I was like, it. oh my gosh! Also, she had that ring on while she was killing people. And, like, that's the hand that did it. That's a, that's a lot. It's, yeah, it's just a lot to... Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, one other little tidbit that I forgot to write down, but I did read. Basically, when they first started their crime spree, they kind of felt like, oh, we're never going to get caught. Yeah. They just felt super comfortable doing whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so she would wear super fancy high heels. Mm-hmm. Because she was like, uh-huh, I, we're fine. I don't need to worry about this. I'm just going to wear these heels that I can't run in. That's how, like, chill about it they were. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was I like, can't. I can't do anything in heels, let alone run. So I just love that she was like, mm, I don't need to. I got, I got this. It's fine. Yeah. I can mm. run in heels. I can run in a chunky heel. I don't have a lot of chunky heels. I wear chunky heels now because mm-hmm. I'm a grown up. Mm-hmm. But in high school, I was like real big ones, real skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a bad bitch. Mm. Bad bitch? In high school? I never wore heels in high school. Ooh, I wore the highest heels. Really? Like just to class? Um, 
Not this is very. This concept is very. I'm like, I don't know anybody who wore high heels in high school. It was like. (laughs) So I wear dresses all the time. Yeah. Which is a fact about me. So the fanciness of the event was sort of dependent on the heel I was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) So if I was just wearing like flats. Or yeah. like a little chunky heel. That was my everyday. Uh-huh. But then if I, when I ran for Rose Festival, when I passed down the prom gotcha. for Rose Festival, mm-hmm. when I had to dress yeah. up for wrestling days and stuff like that, I'd wear real big heel. A real big heel. Real big heel that when I wear them now, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have, Danny, when we, when we used to like go out every Saturday, mm-hmm. which didn't last long because we were then broke hoes. <laughs> Yeah. But also, my, when I was in school in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and would, like, go out, I would wear huge, huge heels all night. Yeah. And they would stay on my feet all night. And I'm like, there is, I don't think there's any amount of alcohol that, that, can, numb this that can numb this pain at this point. <laughs> I am all about a comfort heel at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've reached the end. Yes, we have. Do you want to do the social media? I do want to do the social media. Okay. Okay, So, guys, listeners, followers, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ThatBroadsGotMoxie. And then you can follow us and, you know, check out what we're doing on Twitter. And that's at BroadsGotMoxie. Mm-hmm. If you have any suggestions, additions, so did I already say suggestions? You did. <laughs> Please email us, reach out to us. We would like. We to love us, it. We yeah, we like you guys to be in contact with yeah. us. And it, our email address is thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail That's right. And if you are listening, wherever you're listening, uh, rate review. Blah, blah, blah. rate review and subscribe please because we we love those good reviews we love those five star ratings like Mm -hmm. show you know if you love us show us tell us show us how much you love us yeah (laughs) we demand blood sacrifices (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where that came from i'm sorry is that it is that what Mm -hmm. we got Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Listen up. We're excited. We got more. We got more coming at you. Mm-hmm. So uh, goodbye. That's all. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>